0: You're listening to Bible Prophecy Daily, a weekday podcast where Bible prophecy matters and matters greatly. Hi, this is Pastor Lutzer. Throughout the years, it's been my privilege to get to know Scott and Janet Willis. I don't know anyone who has paid as much attention to the exact words of Scripture when it comes to prophecy as Janet. She's done hours and hours of study, and the insights that God has given her are unique. That's why I want you to listen to her. And remember this, that no matter where we eventually land when it comes to the prophetic word— We all need to be prepared for Christ's appearing. Janet wants to help all of us prepare our hearts for that event. You listen carefully. Thank you, Pastor Lutzer. Hi, my name is Janet Willis. In this podcast, I'm going to give an overview about God's city, New Jerusalem. God makes an astounding claim. A whole city is going to come down from the sky. God paints a stunning picture for us, but he paints it with words. John says, I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God. That's Revelation 21, 2. And verse 3 goes on to say, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them. These days, we're saturated with special effects, commercials, movies, ads, all this computer-generated imagery, But this won't be some kind of screen we're watching. This is going to be real. It's tangible. We won't just see it, but smell, hear, touch, and feel it. Why is learning about this city important? It gives us the long view. Better yet, it gives a clear view of the long view. What do I mean by the long view? Many have studied end times, Daniel's 70th week, day of the Lord, the rapture. These are critical, but it's also important to know what lies beyond. Why do we even need the long view? In times of suffering, that's when we get serious, especially for those who face persecution. Hebrews 11 says the heroes of the faith in their times of suffering were looking for the city whose architect and builder is God. That's Hebrews 11.10. And if we keep reading, the very next chapter says, When believers die, they will come to Mount Zion and to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to myriads of angels, to the general assembly and church of the firstborn who are enrolled in heaven, and to God, the judge of all, and to the spirits of the righteous made perfect, and to Jesus. That's Hebrews 12, verse 22 to 24. Right in the middle of this larger context, chapter 11 and chapter 12, it talks about Jesus, how he himself had that long view. Jesus, for the joy set before him, endured the cross. That's Hebrews 12, verse 2. It's interesting that the nation of Israel, a people who have endured great suffering and great persecution, they have as their national anthem a song that focuses on the future, specifically in relation to the city of Jerusalem. An English translation of this last stanza says, Oh, then our hope, it is not dead, our ancient hope and true, to be a nation free forevermore, Zion and Jerusalem at our core. Forevermore sounds like the long view and it includes the future Jerusalem. Also, it's a Jewish tradition at the end of every Passover Seder for everyone sitting at the table to say in unison, Next year in Jerusalem! One time when I was in Jerusalem, I asked an Israeli, Do Israelis who live in Jerusalem say this? And he said yes, and then I asked, What do they mean by this? And he said, it's the Jerusalem to come. So how can we get the long view right? That's where I'd really like to park. Throughout this whole world, some kind of long view is universal and timeless. Not only Israel, but people everywhere around the world. God has put eternity in every human heart. Ecclesiastes 3.11 tells us that. And many people are hungry to know about the future. That hunger seems to drive people to read books about near-death or even after-death experiences. It's actually a lucrative market. Amazon's Books About Heaven has 30 titles specifically about people who claim to have had first-hand experience of being in heaven and coming back to tell about it. God gives us a warning concerning this. Jeremiah says, The prophet who has a dream or vision may relate his dream, but let him who has my word speak my word in truth. What does straw have in common with grain, declares the Lord? Is not my word like fire, declares the Lord, and like a hammer which shatters a rock? Yep, people tend to choose straw instead of grain. That was Jeremiah 23, verse 28 to 29. Signs and wonders are powerful and convincing, and this becomes even more critical than ever as we see the day of our Lord's return approaching. Jesus warned, False Christs and false prophets will arise and will show great signs and wonders so as to mislead, if possible, even the elect. Behold, I have told you in advance. That was Matthew, verse 24 and 25. Everything must be checked by the standard, the scriptures. That's our food, our grain. But in order to do that, we must know the scriptures. This will prepare us from falling prey to the great deceptions of Satan. That's how we prepare. True believers will hold to faith in not only Jesus Christ, but the Word of God. Jesus said, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word. That's John 14:23. In the book of Revelation, specifically related to persecution, John linked these two doctrines six times. I'm going to read each one. Right off the top, in Revelation chapter 1, verse 1, John says, "The revelation of Jesus Christ which God gave him to show to his bondservants." The things which must soon take place, and he sent and communicated it by his angel to his bondservant John, who testified to the Word of God and to the testimony of Jesus Christ, even all that he saw. That's verse 1 and 2. The same chapter, verse 9, John says, I, John, your brother and fellow partaker in the tribulation and kingdom and perseverance which are in Jesus, was on the island called Patmos because of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus. He's linking these two doctrines. What we believe about the Bible matters. What we believe about Jesus matters. I'm going to go on. Revelation chapter 3, verse 8. It says, I know your deeds. Behold, I have put before you an open door, which no one can shut, because you have a little power and have kept my word and have not denied my name. That's the Lord talking, obviously, and he he links my word and my name, those two doctrines. Then Revelation 12, verse 17, it says, So the dragon was enraged with the woman and went off to make war with the rest of her children who keep the commandments of God and hold to the testimony of Jesus. Jesus. The commandments of God meant they were clinging to the Bible. In Revelation 14, verse 12, it says, Here is the perseverance of the saints who keep the commandments of God and their faith in Jesus. Again, those two doctrines. And the last one, Revelation 20, verse 4, is really explicit. Then I saw thrones, and they sat on them, and judgment was given to them. And I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded because of the testimony of Jesus, and because of the word of God. Their persecution was directly related to those two doctrines. I've talked to so many who say they believe in Jesus, even that they love Jesus. But when it comes to the Bible, they waver. Some think it has errors. Other people include additional sources of what they consider to be truth. But God warns us not to add or subtract from his word. Again, that's the grain. The Bible is our food, our bread. Proverbs 30, verse 5 says, Every word of God is tested. The scriptures have withstood the test of time. So now, what about that long view when it comes to information about our eternity? Here's a verse that's often quoted. No eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor the heart of man imagined, what God has prepared for those who love him. They use that verse and say we can't even imagine what heaven is going to be like. But now I'm going to read that verse again and give the whole context. No eye has seen nor ear heard nor the heart of man imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. These things God has revealed to us through the Spirit For the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. In other words, this verse is actually saying the opposite of what most people use it for. Sure, without divine revelation, we wouldn't be able to imagine what our future would be like. But God has revealed it to to us through the Spirit, through His Word, through the Bible. So. Why are we grasping for straw when the Word of God is loaded with information about our future? Christ often admonished the people of his day for not taking the time to pay attention to what God had already revealed. He said, Have you not read what was spoken to you by God? That's Matthew 22, verse 31. Later on, he rebuked the two men who were walking with him on the road to Emmaus after his resurrection. He rebuked them for their lack of faith in the truths that God had provided. The Lord said, O foolish men and slow of heart to believe in all that the prophets have spoken. That's Luke 24, verse 25. Over the past 18 years or so, I have attempted to examine carefully those things which the Spirit, through God's word, the grain, has revealed about our future home, New Jerusalem. It's been a treasure hunt, a real joy. I discovered God has prepared us by giving an incredible amount of detail of what lies beyond our trials, far more than most people realize. God didn't intend for our future existence with him to be a vague, foggy idea, a dim and distant hope. It's the joy that is set before us. God has provided a clear view of our future. The Old Testament is full of verses about a future Jerusalem, prophecies that are still yet to be fulfilled. But even in the New Testament, remember the tender words of the Lord Jesus. He said, Do not let your heart be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many dwelling places. If it were not so, I would have told you, for I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. Jesus knew great trials and great suffering was ahead for his disciples. He was trying to prepare them. And trials and testing may lie ahead for us. And God wants us to be prepared. Down through the years, I have had questions about our future home. Questions like this one. one. Thessalonians 4 verse 17 says, We're going to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Where will that be? Will we always be in the air? Think about it. When the Lord returns to this earth, where will we live? Actually, when the Lord returns to this earth, where will He live? My husband Scott likes to say, Jesus is not going to live in a holiday inn. God's Word, the Bible, the grain, has the answers. God's prophet Ezekiel was shown a vision about a structure like a city on earth in Israel. It had three gates on each side named for the twelve tribes of Israel. And then in the very last verse of the book of Ezekiel, the prophet says, the name of the city from that day will be, The Lord is there. That's Ezekiel 48, verse 35. Wow! He says, quote, A structure like a city, unquote. That sounds like the words Jesus used when he said, My Father's house had many dwelling places. The structure is like my Father's house And Ezekiel says, like a city. And that's like what Jesus said, many dwelling places. I found all kinds of references in the Old Testament that refer to a future Jerusalem. When I worked on this and kept finding all these references from the Old Testament that are referring to a future Jerusalem, it was like puzzle pieces scattered all over the table. Actually, Old and New Testament And eventually, I found that I had three prominent questions. Questions about the size, the shape, and the timing of when this city would arrive. Barry Horner states, Nevertheless, in the area of eschatology, by and large, Reformed exegesis has tended to be influenced by a systematic theological tradition that must uphold a certain understanding of a passage of Scripture. Otherwise, a crack in the dike would result in an overwhelming flood of inevitable millennial truth. In my study, over many years, I have found answers to those questions, questions that I had had, and it's been an overwhelming flood of truth. In the next episode, I will begin to address how we will be on the restored Earth in the Father's house, New Jerusalem. I have an illustrated video preview of my book online, on YouTube and also on our website. The title of my book is What on Earth is Heaven Like? A Look at God's City, New Jerusalem. There's also a video preview of my children's book. That's titled God's Got a House and It's Coming to Earth, a Primer in Pictures of the New Jerusalem. I also have a recent article in Biblical Prophecy Magazine. The title is, Why the New Jerusalem is Shaped Like a Mountain. You could check out my YouTube channel. If you go to YouTube, put my name in, and then look for our logo. It's a little child's drawing of a boy holding a baseball and a mitt. My husband, Scott, and I also have a website, scottandjanetwillis.com. I hope you take a look, and until next time. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening to Bible Prophecy Daily. We hope you learned something valuable today. Be sure to subscribe wherever you heard this podcast so you never miss an episode.